You are listening to the Grassroots StarCraft 2 podcast, episode 4, originally released on August 18th, 2022. This episode will be an interview with Grandmaster League Terran, computer science student and founder of StarCraft 2 at the University of Virginia, aspiring game developer and YouTuber, Spiral Biscuit. All right, mic check. Hello, uh, testing one, two, three. Hello, welcome internet, welcome world, and especially welcome to the guest for tonight's podcast, Spiral Biscuit. Hello, that is that is I. Yep. How are you doing, sir? I am doing good. How about you? Been pretty busy, and I'm quite surprised to get a second episode out within the same week given I wanted a monthly cadence here. Uh, actually, it looks like we might have, I might have some technical difficulties here on the webcam. Looks like your webcam is frozen. Let's, let me That's try weird. Let me try to reload this here. Should I, uh, should I do anything? Let me try on the discord side. Can try the good old turn off camera, turn on camera. Oh, it looks like it's working now. Okay. Yep. All right, there we go. We're Never good. Fails. Perfect. Okay. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, so you're actually the first guest that uh, tweet, tweet, Twitter DM'd me to be on the podcast. So it's it was a, a nice surprise, and you know we had a, a nice conversation before the podcast, kind of setting up more about you as a, a player and a person. So I appreciate your time to get that set up. I mean, yeah, I just saw, I just saw, I think it was Ravi who was tweeting or retweeting a lot of the things about, um, about this podcast. And I saw that I, I was, I think I've talked to blog before. So I saw a blog was on it. I'm like, yo, uh, I kind of want to get on this thing too. So there we are. Definitely. Definitely. And the intro was a bit of a mouthful, but I think it covered uh, every role that you have, you know, as a player, uh, as a fan, as a founder, a student. So there's a lot to talk about in this episode and pretty excited to get to know more about you. And I'm sure the fans out there are excited as well. Yeah, what can I say? I am an incredibly interesting person, if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out the audio is it has been great so far. I know you're having a your dorm is having a bit of a party right now. So uh, we're, yeah, there are definitely many inebriated people inside of uh, my apartment right now, but I think, uh, I think it'll be okay. I think we'll be all right. It's good. I'm not one of them, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> that would make, make an even more interesting podcast. Maybe for next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay. So sticking with a similar structure to previous, previous podcasts here, we have the different categories here. Kind of uh, just a little bit of an intro right now, uh, shooting the shit here. Right, we're going to go into the player section. Uh, we're going to go into a YouTube section since you're mostly into YouTube now. Uh, we can talk a little bit about streamer. We'll definitely talk about the college side of things, which will be a first for the podcast. Uh, of course, we can talk about being a fan. Uh, towards the end of the podcast, we can talk about an application that you recently 
it looks like you recently created that's very applicable to RTSs and uh, a good warm up for StarCraft in particular. And then of course we can have an outro where you can kind of uh, plug your socials and all that good stuff. All right, that sounds like a plan. I am ready for this. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about a player here first. Um, so when did you start playing StarCraft II? Oh, the origin uh, or like competitive because uh, those are very two, those are two pretty different. I guess it's not super long. Okay, so basically when I first started, I think I was in like first grade or kindergarten there was a white elephant at a church I was at. And because I was a kid, I was like, I just want to choose the biggest box. I want to choose the biggest thing. So I chose this big box and in it was just a bunch of oranges. And then there was a StarCraft one handbook in it. And with it, there was a um, demo of StarCraft one. So I basically just played it and I loved it. And I read through the demo. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just space dudes going pew pew. And then, uh, yeah, I, that's how I started playing StarCraft. Interesting. So you were a very young age, elementary school age, and you, you had this discovery of, uh, StarCraft one, uh, which I'm, I'm very unfamiliar with, but, uh, you know, you ha you have that RTS foundation prior to, prior to StarCraft two. So it, it kind of leads into you being a, you know, a top tier, uh, let's just say as the intro says, Grandmaster. I mean, if you really think about it, the total number of players, the Grandmaster is top tier. You know, we don't have to think, oh, you're, you're Cyril or you're Rainer or whoever. Um, it's, you are, you've, you've established yourself as a top tier player. And it looks yeah. like as a side note here, we, we do have a, uh, a side note here real quick. We do have a raid from Wootsicle. Uh, thank you, Woot, for the raid and welcome Raiders. Hello. Okay, so this was the very beginning of StarCraft for you. Elementary school age, you discover uh, the StarCraft 1, was it a box or a manual, you said? Yep, and then there's like a free demo that I think my brother installed on our very old PC. A free demo? Okay, so was that, it was still in like CD format or like DVD format back then? I believe so, yeah. It was super, like there were only like two levels on there. And, um, yeah, I would just play those over and over again. And then, um, yeah, because we didn't have any, um, computer capable of running Starcraft two until I was like in high school. So I actually just didn't get to play any, I basically barely played any Starcraft until then. Oh, so you just played this demo. You didn't really get into the competitive aspect of Starcraft, uh, Brood War. Yeah, no, that was, that was literally just that. And then I loved the RTS and the strategy behind it. So I would watch, um, Husky Starcraft and that was my Starcraft fix. And I would find any sort of strategy game that was remotely close to Starcraft, but obviously I didn't have any money. So there are flash games, but games like, um, age of war or like colony are such amazing flash games that really uh, deserve more credit. Okay, so still a gamer at heart. You had the demo for StarCraft 1. Uh, growing up, you're playing some Flash games, and then eventually you find your way to StarCraft 2 once you have a, a more powerful computer in the time frame that StarCraft 2 released, roughly 2010. Um, so let's start off with the next question here. What, is, what race did you first play when you got into StarCraft 2? It was just Terran all the way. Uh, the demo was Terran. 
I saw the 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 reveals for StarCraft 2. I would watch the Terran gameplay reveal over and over and over. I can hear I can hear Dustin Browder in my head saying, and here we have the Terrans, and we can see that they're flying their new base into the whatever, and like the command center can now hold SCVs in this iteration of StarCraft. And I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I was so hooked as a kid. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. An interesting thing about Terran that I learned recently that I didn't know, and I actually thought it was an in-game bug, is that when you build a planetary fortress, you can still load SCVs inside of, inside of the planetary fortress. And I did not know this until roughly a few weeks ago. And I, I've, been, I've been playing StarCraft II since the beginning. I, I've played all races, probably the most familiar with Zerg, but I thought this, I saw this on some type of, I think a pro game or a cast or a replay. And I was like, this is a bug with the new maps. I thought it was a new map bug. And oh, no, no, that's always been there. It's actually really important that you have those, that you have that, especially when they buffed, when they combined Neo Steel Frame and Structure Armor. Um, having those extra SCPs was really important because if Bangman's ran into the planetary, what Marty does is that he spams load, unload, so that way he can instantly teleport all of his SCPs to the other side of the planetary and then save them from the bang links, and then he saves planetaries like that, and it's like, it's Oh, wow. That's a really neat uh, micro trick there, for sure. Yeah, it's a bit of a tangent, but super sick. Okay, so next question here. It, it's probably the same race, I would imagine, but what race do you play now? Is it still Terran, or throughout the years of StarCraft II, did you dabble in the other races? No, I was always hardcore Terran. As much as I would rage and contemplate race switching to protoss it was always just tearing all the way it's just too cool man i just love siege tanks and marines go pew pew and it's so dope okay so you're a hardcore terran uh terran user and sticking on the topic of terran uh what is your favorite matchup as terran do you like playing against tvz um the metagame has drastically changed over the years and terran as a as a race playing it has changed arguably very difficult. This is definitely going to be a bit of a controversial one because I'm pretty, there are very few people who agree with me, but I actually enjoy the mirror matchup of TBT so, so much. Um, just like the, it, it feels like just Marine tank versus Marine tank. Like when you win, it's just like, I am so good at this video game. Like I am actually just the GOAT. It feels so good to just outmaneuver your opponent, out multitask your opponent with Marine Tank because it's so, it's so just positional and it's so just who can macro better, who can position their army better, who can multitask better, and um, yeah. So so like probably before, yeah. So I think definitely in earlier meta games it was a lot more revolved around Marines and tanks, but I feel nowadays as um as the meta becomes a bit more defensive, sometimes it just devolves into air battles, which are also really, really interesting. Like a lot of people really dislike them, but not TVT. That's, that's, that's my shit, man. That's my shit. What I personally like about TVT and I'm, I'm less familiar with Terran, but I feel like TVT has versatility and builds you can do versus the other mirrors, the current meta with PVP, we see a lot of like two gate opener style, uh, ZVZ can be, you know, 13, 12, 12 pool very hyper-aggressive type of builds. But with Terran, it's, it seems like there's more 
safe options and it doesn't have to be like you said it doesn't have to be a marine tank you can open up a raven um if you want to be a cheeky you can still open up banshee or liberator uh, if you want to be a little bit more safe you can have a cyclone right um maybe not cyclone so much for tbt but i like the versatility of terran and and terran versus terran yeah, I also like it because I've basically been playing the same build for like two, maybe even three years at this point. <laughs> like I haven't basically I haven't changed my TVT build order since Terran started doing 16 gas, uh 16 rack, 16 gas ever since and then before that it was just the same exact build order, but 15 gas, I mean 15 racks, 16 gas. And it's just been the same exact thing. Like I've just been nailing this build order for years and years because I just haven't had to change it. Okay, so this is this is very interesting to me because I don't know Terran. It's not my main race. So when I hear, I didn't, I wasn't even aware of this as a a change, whether it's a minor or a major change. So tell, talk more about that. It sounds like there's a there's a supply change, and when you build the first barracks. Um, not the first. Actually, yeah. So essentially, what happened in the. What happens in. Basically, every RTS metagame is that the pro players get better and better at defending against things and attacking it becomes less and less effective. Um, so you could see this most notably with Banshees and Wings of Liberty. It's like, yo, this Banshee is automatically getting like eight kills and it's like, what the heck? But now Banshees, like nobody builds Banshees because they are purely offensive unit, really squishy, not really good for defense against Roaches. So that's why you don't see Banshees as much anymore, because people just got way better at defending against them. So as the metagame in StarCraft progressive, at least what I have um what I've observed is that as the metagame progresses progresses, players get more and more greedy. So what happens is that before a lot of Terran builders would go 15 refinery and then 16 uh, barracks. Um, this was so you could get your factory faster and then you could get units much more quick. Um, but you would sacrifice a lot of economy for that. Um, but as Terran players generally got better and also, you know, maybe maps got bigger. I'm not really too sure if that's actually like, there's like this whole thing of like special going like, oh, the maps are getting bigger and then the map makers are like, oh, actually they're not. So I, I don't know. Maybe the maps, maybe the maps got bigger. But essentially, as players got better and get better and better at defending, they realize they can greed more. So you see, this is also the same case in TVZ, where go back a couple years, nobody's really playing three CC builds where you go two minute, you two two thirty, you can just drop a third command center in Terran versus Zerg, because nobody realizes that you can get away with this. But now you can see that this is basically a staple build. It's almost standard at this point. So because Zerg doesn't have many good cheeses and we have gotten a lot better at defending the ones they do have, Terran's realized we can just greed even harder. And then as the metagame progresses, then you just, it's just like, it's like basically power creep where you basically just greed. You just greed more and more and more as people get better and better and better at their openings. Um, so that's why things like bounce patches are really important because it really resets that, uh, the greed. Because, and that's how I think metas get really stale because people just get way too good at defending stuff. So like, uh, it's just like, why would I, why would I not greed if I can just defend everything? So that's why things like balance patches are really important. Okay. So that makes sense. Um, uh, you know, a while ago, 
in TVT, you would open gas first to, like you said, slightly get the tech faster, maybe get more like particular units sooner, but with potentially maps being bigger, people understanding how to defend better, you're able to open, uh, barracks first, slightly prioritize the minerals earlier on, which does make a pretty big difference. The earlier on you prioritize mineral minerals. That's ideal. I think for all races, uh, especially probably for Terran and, and Zerg, um, yeah. Considering early units are like Marines and, and Zerglings, which are only mineral focused. Okay. Uh, so I, the question I had for you and also that's in the chat here, what is the build order that you've been locked in on in TVT for the past couple of years? Um, it's pretty easy. All you just do is you do like 16, 16, and then it's two gas builds. Then I think I pull three workers, get your standard two minutes, 30 natural and, um, once naturals drop down, you pull the SCVs back into gas. Um, I think I forgot the factory. Oh yeah, you go factory first because you're going to gas, and then you do. And then oh, I'm I'm really bad at explaining this, uh, <laughs> especially off the top of my head. Because the way I think about build orders, I don't like to think about the specific timings. Like oh two thirty do this, two minutes do this. I like to I just think about the order of things. Um, so you basically just do two gas, 16, 16, very standard stuff. Drop the factory, pull three workers from your gases once your factories drop down. Then at 400 minerals, you drop the CC. And um, then at factory completion, you want to build a starport. And then you want to rally your SCV, their 15th SCV on your mineral line. So it'll say 15 out of 16. You want to take an SCV, um, build a supply depot at the Reaper ramp. And then you want to rally it back to your natural refinery. So that way, as soon as the depot is done, your SCV goes to the refinery and then you build it. Your starport SCV will rally back to your natural because your main will be saturated by then. And then you rally both CCs to the natural. Um, on starport completion, you drop a tech lab. And then on the factory, I like to do cyclone first and then go tanks. Um, barracks goes two, goes two Marines. Oh, I forgot. You go two Reaper, one Heli. You build two Reaper, one Heli. Um, where was I again? Starport goes Tech Lab. After one Heli and Factory goes Tech Lab. After two Reapers, Barracks goes Reactor. Start pumping Marines and Tanks. On Tech Lab completion, you make a Raven. On orbital completion of your natural, you drop your depot so you don't get supply, supply blocked at 46. And then you go, um, and then you just go two Ravens off the starport, swap with the um, barracks. And then uh, I believe you should drop a CC at five minutes. And you should have a push of four Vikings, four tanks, and two Ravens, and a Cyclone, and a handful of Marines at, and then I should hit around 70 minutes, I think. That's like the basic uh, framework of the build. I, I think would, there's eBay somewhere, but I'm really bad at those. It's it's interesting, a Grandmaster Mind League, um, mind thought process here that you said that's, that's very basic. But to me, as a Diamond player, I'm hearing very specific things like rallying the SCV that's finished making the depot goes into the gas and you have a specific amount of units at a particular time. These are almost requirements for a Grandmaster League player such as yourself to have these type of understandings at seven minutes. This is my goal from this one, one, one TVT build that you're talking about. It's very interesting. Yeah. So to answer I the, mean, answer the chat and, uh, answer my question, 
your TBT build is, a, it sounds like it's a two gas opener. Uh, you get your factory, you get the command center. You, I mean, it's one, one, one essentially. And you're hitting at seven minutes yeah. with some type of unit composition. Yeah, pretty much. Is there a name for this build that folks could look this up on uh, a spawning uh, tool or some of these build order sites? Or is this just uh, something that you've kind of created up on your own? I think it's some, I think it's just like the standard TVT build and then just adapted to whatever patterns and habits that I have or the way that I like to play it, honestly. I don't know if this is like, TVT builds are pretty weird because there's no like, they're all so similar to each other and diverge at only really weird places that don't, so it's like weird to call them like, oh, it's like this build because it's just, it's just one, 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 and then you just, build whatever you want afterwards i don't know vindita is in the chat so maybe he's like oh my god this guy's trash but you know <laughs> that's basically how i think about it. it's just the one 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 with two gas and then you just make whatever you want after that you can make like banshees or liberators you can go double liberator like people i'm, I'm sure i'm pretty sure like rough might does that a couple of games and that i get really triggered when that happens <laughs> but uh, just whatever Okay, so TVT, just to recap, is your favorite matchup. You've got this build. Um, let's talk about MMR right now. So it's my understanding you're maybe not as active playing, but maybe a more appropriate question for you would be, what was your MMR range when you are actively playing? Um, over the summer, I played a little bit, and I think I was around 4.9. And back when I was like, I think I peaked at like point. I mean, 5.15 or something. So honestly, not that much, but enough to get Grandmaster after a couple of years, which is kind of sad because the Grandmaster creep is creeping lower and lower every year. <laughs> well, you're, you are now officially the highest MMR player on the pod, on the podcast. So welcome to that club. And <gasps> it's my understanding just as a fan that earlier on in the season, like kind of what you're alluding to here that the MMR requirement for Grandmaster League is lower. I believe it could be under 5k to get GM on NA. So if you're still in this range, uh, were you GM this summer? No, I didn't hit the, okay. I had the MMR, but I didn't get in early enough, which was the problem. I didn't have sure. my games in early, but if I did, I definitely would have gotten it. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, a very respectable. Uh, MMR. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's not only at the beginning of the season where Grandmaster rank um, is getting lower. Every year, the MMR threshold gets a little bit and a little bit lower. So now, like, 5k players can sit pretty comfortably in Grandmaster, whereas years and years ago, I remember I was struggling with this really hard because I was around, like, 4.9, like, 5k range, which would be around Grandmaster now. But years and years ago, it was like 5.3. And I remember really struggling against that barrier because I could never get it. And I was like really frustrated. I'm like, oh my God, man, I could never get above 5.3k MMR. And I still haven't actually. So, wow, I'm really sad now just thinking about it. Maybe a good next next question to jump into is what are your goals as a player? So you've, you've peaked at 5.1, almost 5.2. Do you have goals to go beyond 5.1 and, and go kind of full try hard? Or were you, are you happy with the peak MMR you've had? Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. I think it's always nice to be like, yeah, I'm going to hit like 5.2. But if I'm being really like realistic with myself, if I go, if I play StarCraft purely for the MMR gains, it's just not a really good way to play StarCraft in general. And just really any video game. Um, it's not really fun to play like that. I mean, I play like that for the longest time. But also ladder is like, <laughs> who cares about ladder? <laughs> like ladder is not important once you get like it all it all it's all a blur you know it all just blends together you're like oh okay uh i mean once you hit gm it's like uh, oh wow i'm like top 100 i think that was my peak rank i was like rank 98 which was the smallest number i got on grandmaster and then you're like wow good thing that i'm still 2000 mmr below neeb <laughs> and it's just like okay um at some point it just kind of blurs together and, you're, and and if you don't really have any ambition to go pro which i used to but i don't now um it's just it's just like yeah. right it seems like maybe low to mid gm you know you're still a top player for that region but like you said you don't have an you don't have goals to go pro and that seems kind of the threshold where you, you've had fun, a combination of fun and competitive aspect of with the game, but you're purposely deciding, okay, you know, I, I don't want to go pro here and I, I'm content, you know, I'm content being 5.1, 5.2. And even the mindset of what GM means to you, I think is different for folks like me who have never been GM. I view GM as like, oh my God, it's this holy grail of like, maybe some, some days I feel like, oh, I'll never attain that. I don't know if I have a goal even necessarily BGM. I, I would like to be Master League at some point, but it's an interesting perspective that you have that, oh, I'm still far away from Neeb, but you know, it sounds like you have a, you're in a good spot mentally with your achievements. Yeah, well, you say, you say that in a way that makes me seem like, oh, I'm so mature, I know what I want in life. But the reality is, is that I just banged my head against the wall for so many years, and I got to college, and I'm like, I don't want to play this game for 10 hours a day, man. Like, whatever it takes to get, like, to the pro level. Like, I just rather do other things. Like, it's just not that fun anymore. Sure. You know? uh, it, it's not like, it was just, it wasn't like a decision. It was something I was just forced to, you know, what was the term again? Oh, it just slipped out of my head. First, to uh, come to terms with. It wasn't anything like, oh, yes, I am content. It's more just like, well, guess I have to be content or else I'll be just be permanently angry. <laughs> and something you told me about in our pre-show meeting, actually, that is a first for the podcast as well. Uh, it sounds like a combination of, you know, being a student, but I think you also were telling me about some injuries you unfortunately had from, is it from playing the game? Just large amount of hours of playing yep pretty much it's just oh i played a lot and i probably had bad posture and i don't think i stretched enough and i think i played too much when my hands were cold and uh now my wrists just hurt oh that's that's pretty unfortunate so is it is it a daily type of pain or is it only when you really start to grind in the ladder and play a lot yeah, I think it's just any activity that makes me use my wrists a lot. So it, it's actually really sad because like sometimes I would go with like my friends to play like ping pong or like badminton and then like I would just have excruciating pain for like the next day and I just can't use my hand and I'm just like. So at some point I just had to be like, you know what, 
Um, I don't know if my I don't know if my body can handle this even if I wanted to. And that's a very convenient excuse, but in reality, the 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 majority of the reason was that I went into that is, I uh, I gave up on my ambitions to be pros just because it just wasn't good enough. We've heard of uh, StarCraft fans around the world have heard of injuries from pro players. Uh, I think it was MVP back in the day that even had nerve kind of pain all the way from the neck all the way down to the arm, but it's. It's interesting to hear and unfortunate to hear that, you know, amateur players can have these injuries as well. So we see a lot of stream chats to, you know, channel points to go stretch or drink some water. But it's a very real thing when you just get concentrated on a very uh, competitive game. Yeah, I mean, even in my even in one of my videos, I was uh, <laughs> I made a joke about how like if you don't need i think the the line was if you don't need literal surgery for your wrists and then i put pictures of flash's surgery because flash had surgery for his wrists because he couldn't move his arm above sh his shoulder like that's how bad the damage was and like he had a he had a he had surgery on his entire arm so there's a scar just where the surgery cut open from like here all the way down maybe that's really not good for a podcast or people watching that's pretty gruesome to, to imagine but it was very real like he has a wicked scar on his arm because he's just just what happens when you're the goat right flash is uh arguably the greatest of all time terran player for not only starcraft 2 well not really as much starcraft 2 but definitely brood war um I think he's the goat for brood war for sure and no I, questions this out. is the player that would uh, i don't know really anything about brood war but i think i've seen uh the picture of him with the ruler he'll he'll actually measure out yeah. the spacing between his mouse and his keyboard uh not only for his home setup or when he was competitive at going to tournaments he would make sure that it was a consistent spacing uh very controlled controlled environment for his play, for his gameplay almost scientific in a way yeah honestly really 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 excuse me really really important that you actually do that kind of stuff like being really anal about that kind of thing Obviously, it's it's good that if you can just get adapt to it, but on some other, on on another hand, it's better if you just don't have to adapt at all. And um, I know Tokido does this. He's a Street Fighter player, probably one of the I think five Japanese fighting gods. Um, he also was he has this famous picture of him using a measuring tape of his like nose to the screen, and uh, just being really anal about everything on your setup is really is actually really important because when you go to tournament everything is just different um i've only been to like two tournaments but immediately i was like what is going on i couldn't get my settings right in game i like the chairs are really different i don't have like armrests i'm like playing in a different like my hands are in different positions like the screen is in different positions i went to sidestorm cup and they're like don't forget to set your hertz to 144 hertz and i'm like i plan a 60 hertz monitor so I didn't set my monitor to 144 hertz because I didn't want it to like mess with me. And like so many things like you get used to on your home setup that completely change. Like I went to um when I, I upgraded my PC a couple years ago on my CPU, and I quickly realized that in Terran versus Zerg, I was lagging in every single engagement, but I'd played so much that I'd gotten used to it. 
So when the banglings slowly moved their way towards my units and they didn't like teleport, my mouse was clicking where they were going to teleport to because my brain had played so much that it was programmed to be like, all right, I know exactly where this bangling is going to like kind of teleport on my screen. And then I upgraded my computer. I'm like, wait, why is it why is it moving smoothly up? Like, that's not right. And I had to like reprogram my my brain. I'm like, oh, my oh, my 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 PC was this bad this entire time. Like, oh, what am I doing? So, like, just tiny, tiny things when you play enough StarCraft. I know No Regret talked about how all the players, they play with no skins, they play with no different announcers and stuff like that. Because playing on a different announcer and different skins and stuff, it, like, messes with you, and it's just one more thing you have to adapt to. And reality, it's better, it's good to be able to adapt, but in reality, not having to adapt is always ideal. Definitely. I think I heard Maru plays on like the lowest settings with one of the, like the color brightness on super high. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So what happens is that you, I think the ideal setup is that you play on really low graphics and then you turn the gamma up because the gamma on a lot of maps, this was, I discovered this with Abyssal Reef. Um, when Abyssal Reef was in the map pool, the entire map was just dark blue and it was really hard to see a lot of units. But you could fix that by turning the gamma up. And when you do that, the map textures separate really far from the background and any sort of like haze around it just just completely removed. So that way, because the map textures are more and the unit textures are more bright and there's more contrast, um, the map just becomes a lot easier to see and a lot better to play. Sounds like better to play, better to see, like you said, but maybe potential for a, a headache. So hopefully we're not giving too many podcast listeners a headache if they try out these new settings. This the gamma cranked up all the way. Yeah, I don't do all the way. I just do it like a little bit. Um, doing all the way is a little bit too much. I mean, I know there's a, well, a recent League of Legends world champion, uh, Canyon, he plays League of Legends and his gamma is set so dark that it literally looks black except for the characters on the screen. And I'm just like, what am I watching? <laughs> He's like permanently just his screen is just black and there's just characters on it. I didn't even know you could do that with the League of Legends settings, but it was crazy. That's that's pretty interesting. Okay, so let's jump over to the YouTube section here. Um, this is a first for the podcast here. So let's start off with, uh, when did you start your YouTube channel? I started my YouTube channel pretty much, actually, yeah, pretty much almost like exactly a year ago. Uh, I was really bored in quarantine from going from high school to college and I didn't have anything to do uh, in that summer because normally in like high school you have to like oh you have to study for your SATs or you have to do like your summer homework or you have to do whatever whatever went from high school to college there's nothing to do so I was like oh I want to edit a meme video I think I don't know why I forgot why I wanted to do that specifically um but I basically just, I just took this funny game where I was just completely, absolutely destroying this Protoss, like out multitasking him. I was doing drops everywhere. And then I lost the entire game off of two disruptor shots, killing my entire army. And then uh, I just lost. So then I was just like, oh, okay, I'll just make a video about it. And then just make this whole like, oh my God, I'm just, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty bad, but it was probably one of my first takes. 
at going really, really deep into editing, like heavily editing something. Cause I was familiar with um, editing for like school projects and stuff like that, but nothing to this sort of scale. Definitely. So you have a, the Starcraft YouTube channel. I know there's been some uh, Twitch streamers that have been dabbling in YouTube because of maybe monetization, things like that. But what differentiates your channel from a lot of the other StarCraft channels, and it's, you know, not good or bad, let's just call it different. And I would say you're more of a video essay style. You like getting into depth with your videos. Uh, you mix in a little bit of the memes, a little bit of the funny stuff there, but uh, you would, let's, let's talk about, you know, maybe the, the differences between your StarCraft 2 YouTube channel versus the popular ones, right? Like Loco or Harstum or Uthermal or a lot of the top StarCraft YouTube channels. What is the difference? What is the, the difference? Oh, man, you're really trying to trigger me right now. I'm, I'm getting a little bit triggered. <laughs> the difference is, is that I actually want to watch it. That's the difference. I don't want to watch this, man. Like that, I just wanted to create something that I wanted to watch and that was really interesting. You know, Uthermal would do like build order guides and I'm like, oh wow, this is really interesting. This is how a pro thinks. And then now he's like, guys, watch me move my CC to my third base in the first minute and then I'm just going to destroy him every week because I'm so good at this game. And I'm just like, dude, dude I don't want to watch this. Like, this is not interesting to me. I, I don't care. Like, I, I want to... Uh, like, the StarCraft content... See, what happens is that everyone... All right, so this is... I'm going to go on this rant. Is this is this fine? I'm going to go on a, go for it. <laughs> a tirade. Okay. I explained to you, I use the analogy of fast food, of fast food restaurants. You know, you're driving into a highway, you're on like a road trip, and then you're like, all right, maybe I'm going to stop for some gas. Maybe I'm going to stop for some food or I need to use the bathroom. Pull into the driveway. What do you mean? Or driveway? You pull like off the exit. What do you immediately see? You see like five different fast food restaurants. You got like Taco Bell. You got McDonald's. You got Hardee's because for some reason they're only at uh, off the exits of highways. You, you, you know, you got, you got Arby's. You got wet. They're all in the same place. Why? Because they know that there's this large pie of people of a lot of people who are going to come in here and they're going to want this. So they all want a piece of that pie. It's the same exact thing with StarCraft content, except there's nothing else in that exit intersection except fast food restaurants. There's no gas station. There's no hotels. There's absolutely just barren land except for just fast food restaurants. You pull off this exit, you're like, what am I looking at? Like, there's, there's nothing here. <laughs> like, there's an entire town built solely off of fast food. And this is my analogy, where basically all of the StarCraft content is basically cut and pasted from people like Loco and Beastie before he went to AoE. They were very, very successful. Gets a lot of views. You do like the face. Oh my god! Put some text right here, put an arrow pointing to the face, put some like nuke in the background or some like crazy thing that's happening. You put your units that you that you did in like a unit uh you did like a unit map tester. You put the units in uh on some on the same map, except you like zoom in on them and you make like the contrast all nice with high settings. And then that's how you make your thumbnail. And then you do like, oh my god, he did what in this game? That's crazy. It's all the same thing. So 
it's so formulaic it was like fun at first and then i'm just like i'm getting tired of this it's kind of like the same thing that's why i kind of re that's not why i respect a lot um i think hearthstone is really good at doing something different where he has like he has shows that he does he like you know generates his yep he has starcraft today he has uh uh when cheese something like that he has a cheese series he has uh Use, using cool. stupid stuff to be grandmasters he has at least three or different three or four different series on youtube yeah very not okay it is formulaic but he he created the formula for himself that's his for that's that's his that's his like coke formula you know it's like the, the special sauce he he knows the ingredients and that's just what that's the one that he invented but it, it I don't know. I don't know if you can necessarily blame the these players or these are combination of pro players and YouTubers. Uh, no, well, absolutely not. No, I think you, I, I think it's not necessarily their fault. It, it, I think it potentially primarily is the fault of the platform, right? Because no, if you look are. at if you look at YouTube outside of StarCraft Two as a whole, right, you see the same theme across video thumbnails. You see the clickbait title, like you said, the the shocked looking face, um, the big text. So. No, I'm not saying they're wrong. In fact, they are very smart. In fact, if they want to make you money off of YouTube, which is their primary goal, then that is exactly what they should do. But I just don't want to. I just don't want to watch it. I just, I just don't care about it. Like that's just, uh, that's just not the content that I want to see. So I wanted to make the content that I wanted to see, because I got inspired a lot by fighting game content. Because fighting game content actually, it has this. But it also has the video essay aspect where people just make videos about really incredibly interesting and intricate topics to get um, that have a lot of people watching them, even if they don't play fighting games. And that inspiration mainly came from a channel named Core A Gaming. Um, it's literally this dude who lives in Seoul, Korea, and runs his own fighting game venue. And he holds fighting game tournaments at his own venue that he owns. And every once in a while, he just drops a banger of a video like twice a year. That's just about some really interesting topic that probably relates to fighting games. And I'm like, every single like when a video of his dropped, I would watch that like five times, like like a day. <laughs> I would just keep rewatching because they're just new things every time I watch it. I'm like, oh. That's an interesting point. Or oh, he like made this little like joke here, and you can, it's clear to see that there's a lot of like love and care put into these videos, and these videos are actually like expand my thinking. Like I, I get like galaxy brained when I watch these videos. I'm like, yo, I didn't know that. That's something completely new about fighting games that I just had no idea existed. And uh, I wanted that for StarCraft because I looked at StarCraft YouTube channels and I'm like, it's a guide playing starcraft and talking over it i guess and that's it there's nothing else but i just wanted to be something else like please please <laughs> just please no more guy talking over starcraft gameplay like we we already have so much of that and i tried i genuinely tried i showed you my playlist i have a playlist on my youtube channel called old unlisted vids and it's just videos trash videos absolute garbage videos of me trying to emulate exactly what that was because i'm like i don't want to do this youtube thing i think this is cool i think i could do this i think i could do this 
And then I realized, well, I don't have as good equipment as they have. I probably don't have a good enough personality. I don't have as much personality as they do. Um, I'm not as good at the game as they are. So then I realized, oh, this is stupid. Why would I do this? This is clearly not my niche. And this is clearly something I don't care about making. And that's something that wasn't fun to make. And then when it and then when it lost the the fun to make, it was like, well, why am I doing this then? Like I like if I if I was in it for the money, then I would do literally anything else besides make YouTube videos. Right. And I think that's what the majority of us in the StarCraft 2 community are all about, is just we're having fun. And from your channel and from what you're describing here, it sounds like the main differentiation is that your videos are unique. There's a uniqueness to them. There's not that, like you said, fast food formula. Uh, your latest video, your latest YouTube video is titled Why the StarCraft Community Kills Every New RTS Game. So while you do have a, a bit of the, you know, the clickbait, you know, title or a bit of the memes in there, like I said, it's, it, there is some uniqueness to it. Yeah, I think, um, honestly, the bottom line really is just, I wanted to make videos that I like. Because to me, it's, to me, I've realized that this is just my, not not only an art, but it's my art. I didn't really have much of a creative outlet besides StarCraft um, before I started making YouTube videos. But then I realized it was, it really is, it's become more than just, oh, I want to make cool, I want to talk about cool, interesting videos. I, I've come to fall in love with the art of making them. I love video editing. Um, writing scripts is, okay, yeah, it's, uh, writing scripts is kind of like, uh, it's okay. Um, but just the, there's, there really isn't art because th you have to write and writing itself is already like writing essays like that. That is an art form. You have to storyboard and then you have to execute it all in video editing software. And then, it's just so it's just it it really is just its own art form that i just come to love doing and even if i'm gonna upload like three videos a year um they're all gonna be bangers i'm sure so and i'm gonna love them i'm gonna put love and care into them and put a lot of time into them because that's just what i love doing that's it's really great and it's really great that you know we have a, a content creator like you in the community that brings a different perspective so uh, maybe we can talk about your YouTube channel. So YouTube channel is Spiral Biscuit as well. Yep, everything is Spiral Biscuit. Thank God. Okay, great. Uh, let's jump over to for the sake of time here. Let's jump over to the college section here. Uh, so for folks that missed the intro here, uh, we can talk about which team you're. You're so you're a founder for your college team. Is that right? Yep. So. Um, in my first semester of college, I was like, hey, I should try and find people who play StarCraft here because nobody at my high school played StarCraft except for like one person. And she had actually gone to the same college with me. So I was like, hey, yo, what if we start StarCraft Club? Go, go. So then when we went to UVA, started StarCraft at UVA, uh, which is the University of Virginia. Um... And yeah, we basically just grown this community. We have like 30 people in our Discord right now. And uh, at growing that sort of community and just hearing about other communities and how other people think of see StarCraft from the outside is like, 
this is weird and was actually the inspiration for my latest video on YouTube actually uh, was entirely inspired by the interaction I've had with people who play other games and how they view StarCraft. It's a very intimidating community uh, from the outside, I would say. Uh, having talking with friends that don't play the game, and you you know you try to get them to get them to play the game. So it's interesting to hear that starting this this club for your university, like you said, you have friends or people in the college that play other games and they they think about StarCraft and how almost scary it is, right? I mean, and we as players have experienced ladder anxiety. So there's these kind of negative emotions that have been established within this game community, unfortunately, based on the difficulty of the game, uh, maybe based on other things. So definitely, if you're listening to the podcast live or in the future now, check out Spiral Biscuit's latest video on YouTube that really talks about this more. So you've got this what club. So you've got this club now. And what about funding for your club? Are, are you in the process of doing that? Or do you already kind of have that established? Yeah, so this semester, we're going to try and apply to be like an official school club, where they give us funding, and we have to have like a constitution and we have to have like, leaders and like elected officials and stuff. It's, it's kind of weird, honestly, but hopefully, hopefully, they'll give us funding. And our plan is that we might um, try and go to DreamHack Atlanta as a club. That'd be great. Yeah, I remember the days of college with being in some clubs. You need, you need like a secretary and you know all those different position, official positions. And yeah, funding for DreamHack Atlanta later this, this year would be awesome. I believe it's in November of this year. And that doesn't seem like too far, you know, going across the country for where you're at. Is the weekend uh, before Thanksgiving. Yes, I remember. Good to know. Okay, and then as far as the university goes, like what leagues do you play in? Are you, are you playing other universities? I think we had previously discussed we're both, we've both played in uh, CEA. Uh, so do you want to talk more about that? Yeah, so our primary league is the Corporate Esports Association, which it's mostly focused around, oh, wow, can you guess? Corporations playing against each other. They don't really care about the collegiate part. I'm not going to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, it's, yeah, it's just any college that will sign up. We just, and then we just play each other once every week. And we have to send out lineups. We do like 1v1s and 2v2s. And uh, yeah, I try to get as many people to play as possible because honestly, winning, I, I don't really care about winning the CEA. Like, it's not like, oh, I have to win this. I'm more like, yo, I'm going to try and get everybody to play. And if, I, if I'm going to take myself out and not play, even though that's going to significantly reduce our chances of winning, I'm going to do so. So that way I can get as many people to play StarCraft and have a fun competitive experience because a lot of my club is focused Outside of that, our, my club is, I'm trying to focus it more on the casual side, you know, um, doing like arcade nights. Um, yeah, just doing arcade nights. Lots and lots of arcade nights, doing teams, anything that's not the 1v1 ladder, they can do that on their own time. But as long as we're meeting as a club, we're doing fun stuff, except for CEA, in which we're like, we go as a team, we're like, yeah, go team, go players. because. I could, and some colleges do this. I believe, I believe Yo-Yo, 
I'm not gonna call anyone out except Yo-Yo. Sorry. Actually, no, I don't even think Yo-Yo does this. Yeah, no, he doesn't even do this. Um, there's some colleges and some teams that will just be like, hey, yo, we got this like semi-pro player who's going to our college. What if we just put him in every single slot as possible? Like as many slots as possible. And then he just and then they'll just absolutely blast Decimate. every team yep. and then just like make it to the finals. It's like, all right, man, like whatever dude like that's i mean if i guess you can win zero dollars that's it's fine <laughs> that's fine man. we've seen it on the corporate side as well there's a lot of these uh corporate companies that you know they used to be college age and and now they're in the working force and they used to be pros or they're semi-pros and they just completely decimate week after week and it's fun if you think think about it, but if you're actually playing against it with a large skill gap like that, it's almost like, what's the point? But it sounds like you have a lot of social, like you said, opportunities for your club. Ironically, it's trying to steer away from 1v1, which is fun on your own, but when you're physically present with other friends, you know, the 2v2s, the team games, arcade nights, that sounds like a great idea. Um, maybe even going to like a local land center or might be tricky for college but like of age people that have like a there's not there's no bar crafts anymore i don't think but maybe like lounges that have something like that type of environment i looked for land centers in Charlottesville, and i'm like there is nothing to do in this city <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we've had to oh man i remember i had a land we went to the library and then we had people bring laptops and then like half the people's laptops one didn't even have starcraft installed the other hadn't installed but it ran at like three frames per second <laughs> and then like it was it was just mad I, 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 at that point and then i tried it again and then at that point i was just like all right no more no more starcraft lands with laptops like this is just not happening uh, we have to think of something else to do in person as we all like to be in person. Yeah, I've, I've hosted many in-person LAN events uh, in my in my younger years, uh, kind of the early days of StarCraft, but when League of Legends was kind of in its prime. And one of the first things I learned about hosting an in-person LAN is everybody download your games beforehand. Like if you don't have your <laughs> if you don't have your games downloaded and ready to go, and you're at you're at my place now, we're setting up the tables and. I had put like 13 or 14 computers on one power grid and blew it out one time. Oh uh, my goodness. It was just the, 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 the breaker or something or the fuse, but it wasn't anything too serious. Yeah, that happened at a local Smash tournament I went to actually with like too many CRTs, too many TVs, too many switches. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, and then maybe a couple last questions here for the college section. Uh, what were the hardest opponents maybe for the most recent season would you say like a team or a particular player that comes to mind um not any players because there's obviously like sometimes there's just like another fellow a fellow grandmaster player or like fellow like high mark player and i'm like all right whatever uh i barely play this game I didn't really play much during school, so I was like, all right, dude, I'm super washed up, and I just get blasted. I'm like, eh, whatever. But then there's this one team. I forget which. I should have I should have looked this up before. Um, there's this one team that had, like, two Masters 3s, and 
we went into 2v2s and normally it's like, all right, I'm playing with like a diamond player or like a gold player. So I'm just going to have to try my best to hard carry this like 2v2. But these Masters 3 players like actually practiced on the maps and they practice like strategies like it would be like seven minutes and i'm like why are there two siege tanks hitting my natural and then there's like 16 stalkers blinking into my main at the same exact time and i'm like what like what is going on here like these these people actually figured out strategies and timings to hit and then i would just absolutely get blasted and there's just nothing i could do because some of the team maps are horribly designed especially for siege tanks, not designed at all. And uh, yeah, those guys, I was impressed. I was like, I'm not even mad that I lost. I'm just like, yo, you got it, man. Like, that was sick. Like, you absolutely destroyed me. That was cool. Like, the fact they actually took the time to learn and, like, strategize for that, I'm just like, dude, that, that's dope. That's cool, man. Yeah, I'm more, I'm more inexperienced with the team games, but certainly the leagues, I would say, matter less in team games they can wildly vary between actual skill and like you said if you need to carry your opponent more so or you know a masters three player and and a 2v2 could really equate to probably upwards of gm right if they're hitting those it's really the early to almost mid game timings that they just hit you like if they go like ling hellion you know and you just decide to go a different comp that just the, the comp matters even more like the the synergy between the composition the two players unit composition matters insanely for that early mid game so what oh my i can't believe i forgot okay so i was playing with i think they were platinum at the time and i think we were playing against someone around my mmr and then like a masters player like high diamond player and it was me and this platinum player who only two racks reapers that's all they do on ladder. Every single game, they're dropping the two Raxes or three Raxes and they're pumping out Reapers. So I'm like, man, you know what? We have a very low chance of winning this, but they're both Terrans. So what if we six Rax proxy them? <laughs> so, so we, we literally six Rax proxy them. And I'm, I'm not, I don't micro their units. I don't like force them to give me control because I think that's dumb. Like, I'm not going to do that. But I'm, I'm literally like telling him where to go. I'm like, all right, you're going to jump up here. I'm going to jump up here. We're going to proxy our Raxes here. Six Raxes. We just immediately go in. They just can't do anything about it because they're literally six Raxes of Reapers. And when they're all because Reapers, they get really, really good as you get a critical mass and as you get a ball. Um, they're really good at picking off individual units when they're in a big clump. So what? So when you have six Raxes spamming them, in 2v2s, what happens when you're defending cheese is that the units are split off because you have your bases separate. But naturally, because of how defensive map making is done, units that are tacking into your main base become choked. So you have your main base choke or you have like your Reaper jump cliffs very, very choked off. So when you have a lot of Reapers and you have like six Reapers at a time coming in, and their units are separated and you have this ball of reapers you're literally just one-shotting every single one of their units that come out and even though they're like a million times better than us and there's no way we should have won in any normal circumstance the six direct reaper was just way too op and they just couldn't do anything about it so glorious i was so happy about that if you think about it, it sounds like a very strong strategy it's almost a must for six racks reaper that you both attack like you're saying in the same location because it's effectively two armies versus one Especially with Terran, Terran, you're both walling your your natural ramp. 
where it would be harder for your opponent or the, your opponents one to help out the other, right? Yeah, but it's like even better if you don't do that because sometimes like he would attack the other opponent and then I would start attacking the, the other opponent too and then I would like switch targets. So then while they're defending the initial one, they're like, oh crap, I'm defending. Wait, now there's like five more Reapers in my mineral line? What's going on? And, and it's it's so chaotic that it's so hard to defend. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a genius for this one. I'm actually like a genius. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. It makes me want to play some more 2v2 actually which i don't really play at all anymore yeah for sure super fun stuff okay let's jump into the next section here as a fan so first question here uh what are your favorite or who are your favorite pro players definitely has got to be teja and gumiho teja i watched Teja was who I watched the most growing, like, in my period of not being able to play StarCraft, but still tuning in. Because every single game that he played was just on Husky StarCraft's channel, and he was winning everything. Because he was just that good at the time. So he was, so every single YouTube cast of every tournament finals, it was just him winning. So I'm like, this guy's the GOAT. This guy's the GOAT. I was just watching him win everything. My favorite tournament game is um, Teja vs. Innovation on Newkirk Precinct. One of them, Teja goes bio and innovation goes mech. I think innovation was actually red and Teja was blue, which is very fitting because he was team liquid. And um, it was such a sick game, super back and forth. The game ends on innovation, sieging his units, sieging his siege tanks on a peninsula and then putting the hellbats in front of them because it's a huge base trade scenario. I think he's floating his like factories and stuff. And then Teja just makes a ginormous concave and then drops the siege tanks on the peninsula while concaving in and just kills them for like this one super climactic fight super back and forth and just ends in such a sick manner i'm just like oh this is so sick like best game of starcraft ever i haven't even watched it recently but it was amazing yeah the late game tvts are very entertaining i this kind of reminds me of i think it was boxer versus rain at one of the mlgs it was a massive air war that was TVT, like Vikings, um, might've been like Viking Battlecruiser, something like that, but very entertaining late game TVT. Yeah, those go absolutely like late game. Like, I mean, I think it was really cool because it was bio versus mech is what I was, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Because at that time, this was Heart of the Swarm, so Liberators were the thing. And so people really did not go Vikings as much. Actually, I don't really play that much, so I can't really say. But Taser didn't go Vikings. He's just like, you know what? I'm just going to out-multitask you with Bio. And it's like, he's playing against Innovation. So it's like, oh, yo, can you really do this? And uh, no, he pulled it off in like such a crazy tug of war. And I was like, such an amazing game. So good. I think that's why I love, I think that's probably why I've, uh, TVT became my favorite matchup. Because just from that one game alone, it's just so cool. Right, and Innovation is such a strong player. I think still to this day, um, pretty strong player. Yep, in the military right now, has no plans of returning. He's like, nope. I'm oh, he's in the military. This. Okay, I'm I'm out I'm out of date on some of the pro players here, so that's good to know. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. His little brother is going kind of kind of ham in uh, League of Legends, so pretty good stuff. Interesting. Uh, next question here, which pro tournaments are your favorite? Pro tournaments? 
probably just probably just gsl man like i don't know why but there's just something magical about the gsl it feels so sacred they like they call it like the mecca of esports and i'm just like you know what it really is like i'm like there's just something different because it when i think of like the esports dream i think of moving to south korea i think of living in some really dinky apartment and some gashawan basic which is like basically a closet that's like really cheap and living off cup noodles with just a pc and playing in the gsl and i'm just like that is like basically sc2vn uh or and don't forget your esports dream which are both visual novels which are really really freaking sick if you love starcraft you should totally check out um but that's just what i think of when i think of the esports dream just living in korea playing in the gsl and like that, that was my dream for the longest time but so a bit unfortunate but i don't know the gsl there's something super special about it just the best of the best even if the koreans aren't like the best anymore or whatever um but still it just has a special place in my heart the gsl is very magical i've been watching it over the years back when it was gom before it was africa tv uh, of course tastosis the iconic casting duo and there's still folks that are you know achieving that dream we're seeing for a second season now in a row, Estrella playing. Uh, I think Estrella did qualify. We're now seeing uh, for Rainer's first time uh, attempting to qualify. He did qualify, and he's playing in the GSL. So actually, actually, this is not Rainer's first time. He qualified for GSL, I think, when he was 15 because he couldn't play WCS because you have to be 16 to play WCS. Oh, interesting. So, I did not know this. Wow. Yep. He had a really close game with Classic, and then I think he almost beat Maru, but then he threw the series. So then that put him in, um, and then he beat out Classic, and then I think he died in like the round of 16. So, or maybe round of 32, I forget. Is it three foreigner, three foreigners currently that are in? It's Estrella, uh, Rainer, and who else? Is there a third foreigner? Just Estrella and Rainer. Special, I think, died to Dream, or Special, or, or Dream, or some of the turn i think okay and uh i think scarlet lost to some protosses really early in the in the qualifier run okay and then uh as a fan talking about the next question here how many live events have you been to actually just two i've only been i went to the cheesadelphia where future one oh my god i wish i could have been there but i can only stay for one day and i went to cystorm cup where i placed as good as rob did because the swiss system for tournaments is trash so i can place as well as rob even though he's a million times better than me let's go yeah cheesadelphia was looked pretty fun back in the day i'm pretty sure i watched some of that tournament um yeah even if it was in a really sketchy area and i felt like i was gonna get robbed if i stepped out of the tournament venue super fun tournament and i got to meet my heroes i sat next to neeb i sat next to neeb while playing and he thought I was a really awkward kid because I was, because I started a lot when asking him to sign my pass. That sounds like fun. And that, that must have been a while ago if you were sitting next to Neeb. Must have been the early days of, of like Neeb's career. Was he still playing Protoss? Because I know he started out as Terran, right? No, no, it was not that early on. This was like this was like after he had basically this was still when he was like easily the best um american player like before even Estrella came back to pro play i think um i believe it was she's delphia seven or something i think it was sophomore of my high school 
So it was probably only like two, three years ago. Okay. Actually, not two, three, probably like three, four, actually. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that's kind of the fan section here. And let's go into the final section before the outro, talking about the application that you made. You want to go into that more? Oh, right. Yeah, I completely forgot that I made this when we did our pre-call thing. Um, basically, I in college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like, I came into college thinking, all right, I tried some CS in high school, and I didn't like it, so I know I don't want to do CS. After one year of college, I'm like, all right, I guess I'm doing CS now, because uh, I, I realized that I kind of love games, so I kind of wanted to just do stuff with games because that's one of the things that I feel like I could get a job with and um, give a shit about it. <laughs> I think I, I I see far and hear about far too many people who get jobs and for the, the money or whatever. And then like, and then they have like some midlife crisis and life gets sucked out of them. I, I don't want like a soul sucking job. Um, so I would feel like I, I want to, do I want to like look forward to going to work, you know? Um, so I decided, you know what? I'm gonna go into game development, and if I'm gonna make game, if I'm gonna go into try going to game development, I'm gonna have to make games, and if I'm gonna make games, might as well make a game about the games that I know best and I've put thousands and thousands of hours into. So I thought about it, and I was also like, wait a second, what is like a really simple game to make? and a game that could actually do well because rts trainers are very few and far between um you have aim booster you have like aim labs you have so many aim websites for just oh can you click on the circles fast enough where with fps games but no such thing really exists um for rts games uh at all actually any generalized game a lot of there a lot of it is just within the game itself you have like marine split challenges marine control another marine split challenge and um marine marine splitting marines yeah splitting more marines that that's like all that's like all we have in uh in starcraft specifically and with a lot of rts games coming out this is actually spoiler this is my new video with a lot of rts coming rts games coming out i was like hey we need to get we should get people onto rts and I want to make a game that can help people get into RTS and help people get better at RTS. Why? Because I like getting good at RTS and I like seeing other people get good at RTS. And I also like programming and I also like making games. So I was like, what if I just, and I just made a shadow box in RTS trainer where you basically just box circles, click on circles, click drag circles. And because that is probably one of the, if not the most fundamental skills that you can have when playing an RTS game. I just described my entire next YouTube video that was working on that. So, eh, spoilers. But spoilers. <laughs> all right. So this sounds like a great intersection of all of your personal interests, like, and liking to see people improve at RTS, like helping people do that. Um, you know, the computer science aspect of it, the game developer aspect of it. And so your game is called uh, Shadowbox. I just gave a link in the chat. And for folks that are listening on the podcast in the future, uh, the website is uh, https colon slash slash jerry, J-E-R-R-Y. Forgive me, I'll just, I'll just spell it, G-U dot 
itch, I-T-C-H dot I-O slash shadowbox. And what I'll do is I'll put this in the show notes. I'll also put this in the YouTube description for folks watching the video. And uh, it looks like the first thing you do is you click on run game and it's a Unity WebGL game uh, called Shadowbox and RTS Trainer. So you have three buttons here. You have casual, that's a green button. You have the yellow training button and the red bonjour training button. So this appears to be the different difficulties of your game. Is that correct? Yeah, I would also recommend full screening it. I somehow, I don't know how this happened, but I uh, accidentally made it so it actually full screens properly to your screen if you full screen it. I didn't mean to do this. I was looking up how to do this. I couldn't figure it out. I gave up. I just exported it and then it worked. So magic. <laughs> okay. So I just muted the sounds here, but maybe the stream or the, the podcast will hear kind of little popping sounds. So I'm trying to play or let's take a look at the game. Now it looks like you have a grid of white circles and there are, depending on the difficulty you pick yellow circles that activate and that indicates what you need to box with using your mouse. And this boxing kind of technique is very applicable to a game like Starcraft two, or really any RTS I would imagine. And with the, the casual difficulty I'm seeing right now, let's say it's two boxes, or now I'm seeing one that's a little bit, it's wide, but it's still two rows. Uh, it looks like there's a timer at the top of the game. And at the end, it'll say GG well played with your total points. So definitely a nice warm up. I've seen other streamers use different games for warmups. Uh, what is that? OSU, I think. All right. Oh, yeah. So I've seen that as a warm up for Starcraft, but this seems like a a great addition for folks that are wanting to warm up their hands, warm up their wrists, their fingers, uh, and dial in that accuracy. And I think it's super applicable to Terran. Yeah, really every race. I think the boxing motion is just something that's kind of foreign to a lot of players. Like you can you can like move your mouse and click on something. You're like, all right, I kind of get that. But to like move your mouse over a set of units, click and then drag and then box it down is a little bit less. It's like like you do that on your desktop sometimes, but other than that, it's not super super um, natural or intuitive to um, people, at least in my experience or from what I hear. So I want to do this and yeah, the yellow circles aren't, they don't change based on the difficulty. They're just randomized. Um, but what does change on the difficulties is on the timer decreases a little bit, um, on training and bundle difficulties. So every time you click a set of circles, you get a little bit less time and then it's capped. So it's not like impossible. And, um, the top left corner should be HP. So if you hover over circles that are red or if you hover over circles that aren't the yellow ones and you select them and so which means you misselect units so if you're like trying to split an army and you don't want to you have you have to select the perfect amount of units so you don't um, split your army badly so that's why i did that if you select too many circles then your hp will go down and you also have you have your separate hearts and hp and if your timer goes down, you lose hearts. And if you misselect circles, you lose HP. And if either one of them gets zero, you just lose. The great thing about this too, is this is your part of your portfolio. Now, you know, if you want to be a game developer or you're a computer science student, this is already your, you know, your, your first, or maybe not necessarily your first project here. And 
that's, yeah, it's pretty much my first. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a great project. It's a, something you should be very proud of. So great job. I am very proud of it. Thank you very much. Let's go. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So this is a great way to go into the outro here, uh, wrap up the podcast. And this is your opportunity to plug your socials, you know, plug your, your Twitter and plug your YouTube, anything else that you want to talk about. All right. I am spiral biscuit. I basically, I, my main gig is making YouTube videos, which you can check out on YouTube by just searching Spiral Biscuit. I don't have a fancy link because you need a lot more subscribers for that. Um, but I do have fancy links for Twitter and Instagram and Twitch, which are all just slash Spiral Biscuit. So twitter.com slash Spiral Biscuit, instagram.com slash Spiral Biscuit, and twitch.tv slash Spiral Biscuit. They are all just Spiral Biscuit. Thank the Lord. I don't have to compete with other people for names. Um, I am new video. I am almost finished. I'm finishing up the script for the new videos so that should be out in like, I don't know, a month or two, three, four. I don't know. It'll be out eventually. Um, but yeah, my main gig is YouTube. So I would, uh, you should check out my YouTube videos. Cause that's the thing I care most about. And then I care most about YouTube, then Twitter, then Instagram than Twitch. I will not stream on Twitch very much, except for CEA matches, actually. I'll probably be streaming those, which will be, I don't know, once a week. So if you want to watch UVA play, come to my channel. Yay. Excellent. Spiral Biscuit, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing your next YouTube video. Uh, I'll try to check out your CEA game on your Twitch channel and really appreciate your time and being on the podcast. Yeah, this was super fun to do, actually. I did not realize how much I could stock, talk about StarCraft, but I am a sweaty nerd at heart, baby. Let's go. All right, and that concludes this episode of the Grassroots StarCraft 2 podcast. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you.